create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. 21st century science is proving that outer circumstances and events only have power over our lives if we give them that power. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to another episode of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. I'm your host, Louis DiBianco. I've discovered that leaders are readers. And as a listener to this show, you have access as a free gift to any audiobook of your choice, choosing from more than 180,000 titles from our sponsor, Audible. Just go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power, choose the book that you want, download it for free, enjoy it, and keep it forever. Also, you will get a one-month free trial of all of Audible's service. I'm excited to announce that I have created brand new content for you. It is an additional episode, a short one, about five to ten minutes long, and it will appear at least once a week. I call these episodes one-word stories. Each episode will focus on a word, a common word that we all use, but it may be charged with meanings that are affecting our lives in ways that we can't even imagine. Enjoy these episodes as mini shots of empowerment. Remember to keep your dialogue with the show alive. It enriches everyone. Send your responses, your comments, your requests to loseclub at gmail.com. That's L-O-U-S-C-L-U-B at gmail.com. By the way, storytellers, a note. Before I introduce today's guest, you'll notice for about three minutes or so that his voice will have a slight echo to it. Uh, it's still very, very clear. That's because there was a technical glitch, which we discovered quickly. And after those first three or so minutes, the echo is gone. I'm sure it will not spoil your enjoyment of the show. Today's guest has experienced some harsh circumstances. He did not give away his power. He's an entrepreneur, writer, and army veteran. His successful life and career include a 23-year business leading international guided tours with his wife. He founded Green Zone Hero in 2016. It's an online community that supports war veterans and honors freedom to improve business. 
Green Zone Hero has a podcast called Straight Outta Combat that empowers combat veterans and helps them to heal by allowing them to tell their stories. You are in for some learning and inspiration from John Krotek. John, welcome to Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Hey, Lewis, thank you for that. Man, you're making me feel famous, but uh, I, I love it, and, uh, and, I, and I, I'm just glad to be here and very grateful to be on your show, so thank you for that nice introduction. You're quite welcome, and I always tell people when they thank me for the introduction, um, you know, I wrote it, but you created it. And uh, in terms of being famous, yeah, you're damn right. You should be famous in your own head. <laughs> Thank you. I think I am. It's, it's going to blow up here. It's good. Though. It's you. okay. I don't think so because if mine hasn't blown up, I don't think yours will. <laughs> <laughs> We're in the same club, man. Thanks. That's right. I appreciate so, that. Where were you born, John? I'm, I was an Army brat. I was born in Stuttgart, Germany, as a matter of fact. Uh, Back in 1959, my dad was a young captain in the U.S. Army, and uh, a couple of his Crow Tech kids were born over there. And You know, my dad was a Pittsburgh guy. He was from Pennsylvania, and uh, he served his country. But that's, that's where I was born, Germany. And how long were you there? We were there about four years. Uh, I don't remember much about those first four years of my life, but I do know that, you know, one of my other sisters was born over there. She was born in Heidelberg. Then, of course, we had my, my oldest sister was born in Florida before we left. And then my younger brother was born when we got back. So I got older sister, younger brother born in Miami and second sister, myself, born in Germany. Ah, so, OK. Yeah. Well, so that so got back to the States in 19, I guess, 64 it was. And then the rest is part of that history you just talked about. OK, got it. John. Can you share with us what it was like to grow up as um, an army brat? You know, you just grew up with a sense of um, sometimes you felt ignored, but you grew up with a sense of, of duty right off the bat. You know, it's kind of, you know, you moved around a lot, but I don't know. It's something that instills something in you. You know, it's be, just being around an army post and being around army people. Um, it's just very formative. I don't know if I can explain it any better than that. It's, you know, I've talked to a lot of army people and, you know, Navy brats and Marine Corps brats, and it's all kind of the same thing. It was like an indelible mark left on you for, for, for God and country or something. It's very, very strange, but there's a story we can tell, you know, if you, in mind where my dad used to drag us to these civil war battle sites every year. And there was a, in uh, Virginia once, his description of the battle of Spotsylvania when it was solidified in my heart and soul what America truly meant to me. And mm. uh, it's kind of an interesting story, but, but uh, yeah, so I'd have to just say it just instills something in you. I'd have to say pride, some type mm. of pr pride factor going on. Are you familiar with a guy named Tim Larkin? I am not. Don't know Tim. Is well, he, what's it, who is he? Well, he, um, I only found out about him yesterday um, because uh, he did a podcast interview on the Genius Network with Joe Polish. He's written, he's a Navy brat and he was a Navy SEAL. And he wrote a book called When Violence is the Answer. Very controversial. 
It's fascinating. If you really want to learn more about him, I think you'll relate to a lot of what he has to say. You can go to the Genius Network, and it's one of the latest podcast interviews. It's in-depth. It's an hour and 20 minutes. Joe Polish interviews Tim Larkin, but um, yeah, it's quite, quite something. And of course, he was a Navy brat, and he kind of articulates some of the stuff that you just said to me. Well, I could see, you know, I could see where it could it could you know i don't want to label anybody but i could see where it could definitely take your mind to another place where violence does become an answer see i i i looked at the way i was raised in my bratness if you will i looked at it as just a sense of duty that it wasn't you know, I never even realized at such a young age the destruction of, of what a military can actually do and didn't really even figure that out till I was actually active duty. And then when you see the full power of an infantry division, it's like, holy cow, this is kind of crazy. Why are we doing this? Well, you really need to listen to the interview because the title is provocative. His uh, publishers didn't want him to use it. But when you understand what he's talking about, it makes total sense. And this is coming from me, and I'm not a military guy, and but I understand what the guy's talking about. And uh, it's just fascinating stuff. But, hey, this is not about Tim. This is about you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. That's, well, yeah. So, so I'll, I'll try to see if I can get it. I got it written down. I'll see if I can, uh, you know, pay attention to that sometime later today. So who was your greatest influence when you were a kid? Was it your dad? You know, it, it, yes, you know, in a living sense. But my greatest influence, you know, when I was in junior high school, of course, it was probably an escape. But we're just I was fascinated by biographies and it was always biographies of Americans, it seemed. And usually presidents. And so my greatest influence was presidents. You know, I, I uh, Thomas Jefferson, of course, and, you know, Washington and the stories of these guys in their earlier lives and Abraham Lincoln and Teddy Roosevelt and FDR. Uh, those guys were my influences. Of course, my dad was a huge influence. Uh, I mentioned earlier he had grown up in Pittsburgh. Now, I, I never, you know, I grew up in Florida. I guess he would have considered a soft back then because, in his neighborhood, if you strayed over into the Romanian neighborhood, you got your rear end beat. If you strayed over into the Russian section. So he was Croatian, and my grandfather came to the United States in uh, 1898, met my grandmother here on my dad's side. And they he was an open steel foundry or open foundry foreman for 37 years in Pittsburgh. Never really learned the English language, but raised seven kids. And so he was probably an influence, too, was my grandfather. Mm. Uh, work. He was a working kind of guy. Yeah, it seems like they gave you that sense of um, accomplishment, even entrepreneurship, you know? They probably did. And you know what they really gave me, though, Lewis? And this is, you know, they, they really gave me a work ethic. But they also, somewhere in my core, something about this the heartbeat of America, that something about America being this vehicle that people can utilize and live and prosper if they give it their all. And my dad was very fortunate to, to, to know how to play the sport of American football. And so 
he basically got out of the Pittsburgh ghetto and went down to Miami and played football at the University of Miami where he met my mom. But, you know, two of his brothers, uh, off, actually three of his brothers served, you know, fighting uh, the Nazis and the Japanese during World War II. And, you know, one of my uncles was in the Bay in Tokyo when the Japanese signed the surrender. His other two brothers flew for the American Air, uh, Army Air Force, uh, you know, flying combat missions over Germany. One of them was a co-pilot, 26 or 27 years old, flying missions. So very early on, this love of country was one of my major – it was one of the major influences those people gave me. Mm, that's wonderful. Now, did you have a childhood dream of what you wanted to be when you grew up? <laughs> well, gosh, I think we all do, but uh, I – what I, of course, my story, you know, I was assaulted at 11 years old. And when that happens to you, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl, it does something to you. And what it did to me is it caused me to uh, disassociate myself and to split. And so what my visions were, my dreams were, was to be this phenomenal hero of some sort. So I grew up watching, you know, the classics, Ben-Hur and you know, the Dirty Dozen, and, you know, always identified with some type of hero figure. And, you know, those kind of movies had a big influence on me. The, the, the good old MGM, you know, huge movies with huge messages. And, you know, I just wanted to be somebody's hero. You know, I wanted to be a hero. I, I wanted to be that guy that was this noble character that, that saved the world. And, and maybe I think some of it stemmed from, the intense feelings of not feeling like that person and feeling something much different. So that's kind of what assault does to you. You, you almost split and it has a very interesting impact on your self-esteem. No, well, I'm sorry. When you say assault, do you mean sexually assaulted? I was at, at 11 years old. It's, it's part of my journey. And I, uh, or, you know, I, I escaped in the movies and, and creative writing and uh, trying to come to grips with that. I, I remember being a storyteller, you know, in the fifth and sixth grade. You know, I used to tell ghost stories and horror stories, and all the kids loved listening to me, but it was more of an escape for me to try to forget about that event that happened to me at 11 years old on a childhood sleepover. Well, you know, what's powerful about that is that, you see, I, uh, language is so important. In a way, it was escape. But in another way, it wasn't. It was creating an empowering identity. And that is the power of storytelling. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I, for different reasons, was escaping into literature. Uh, it presented a much bigger vision of life than I saw in the ordinary world. But I don't see it as escape anymore. This is about creating, and you were creating an identity, and that's fantastic. Because if you didn't, if you didn't have that vehicle, you could have been totally crushed and become useless to yourself and anybody else. And what you say is so very true. You know, it was. It was a, it was a way to survive, but it was also a way to create. You're right, to create something that, uh, that I didn't feel. But I, but I wanted to feel it. And, you know, at that time, you know, back in the 70s, you know, who do you tell about that? You know, somehow it would have been my fault. But what I learned was that there was a social stigma 
with that type of and I and you hate to say victim, but with that type of human being that was perpetrated like that. So I, I didn't reach out for any kind of help. And like you just you know alluded to, I found uh, purpose in something else, and and that's how it kind of worked for me. But you know, and that's one of the reasons why we're even working on one of our projects called uh, Task Force Zen. How we can, and I'm also working with you know Judy Davis. Dacium group out in Seattle for children that uh, that go through things like that. But the whole thing is is to try. To, you're right, Lewis. Try to empower. But I I uh, I learned a lot, and uh, I've learned a lot with Task Force Zen. We want to get people help without labeling them because it's those social stigmas that keep people inside and in those dark places. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that's powerful stuff. Now. You took a corporate job after college. What was that? What was that work? Well, it was it was fun actually. One of the things that I really found exciting was the restaurant business. I had originally started school in architecture, and when I found out after a year and a half I was going to have to transfer, I didn't want to leave all my friends. And at that time, I was working part time in a restaurant, my alma mater. Florida State University, and I thought, well, you know what? Hotel and restaurant management seems good. Let me do that. So I ended up getting that that degree, and my first job was with a company called the Chart House, and they were located at the, the, the training looked really fun to me. You know, we got to wear Hawaiian shirts and navy blue uh, pants and, and topsiders, and while all my friends were putting on three-piece suits and going to places like Chicago – I went to San Diego. My first job, first restaurant, was working in the Virgin Islands, uh, the island of St. Thomas. So it was in restaurant management. Uh, and it was fun. It was fun, but I uh, believe you've indicated that it still left you hungry for something more in life. And what? why? Why was that? Well, here's a good, good question. I, what was going on was it was fun. It was vibrant. I was doing things. I was moving up the corporate ladder. I was working in some really busy restaurants. But the other side of my life was the darker side, and you know, and I was drinking. And that kind of lifestyle led to that. You know, the restaurant business. You know, you work a ten, eleven hour days. You want to unwind. And after a few years of that, I looked at myself in the mirror and I said, "This is going to kill you. You know, you, you can't go on like this. There's got to be more to business than this." And you know, it, it's a wonderful industry to be in, the restaurant industry. But for me personally, because of my, you know, the things that happened to me and my escapism, I was drinking way too much. And so I thought to myself, you know what? The Army, I was 27 at the time too, which is pretty late. But the Army was offering at that time two and three and four year enlistments. And I felt out of a sense of duty. I was the only child in my family that went into the military i you know they were offering this college fund i said i could do this and i raised my right hand and i did it they wanted to give me a direct commission because of my college degree and wanted to put me in food service and i I said no i don't want to do that i just want to serve my country get the money for college and and live my life and it it really the army was a turning point in my life one of the Mm. turning And what experiences in the Army would you say impacted you the most? Well, the, the very first thing that I learned is that it doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what your background is. You're all one force, one team, if you will. And so that, 
was really interesting, and I and I I enjoyed that. I had been a wrestler in high school, and I understood team teamwork. But the biggest thing was was that you know they break you down to build you back up, but it's this one mission concept that that I really liked in this, the, and also you know the uh, the the leadership structure. But I learned that if I just did my work, and I, I that I was going to be rewarded for. It. I didn't have to go over and above the beyond the call of duty, which overachievers sometimes do, but I was finally recognized by my peers, and that really felt good to me, esteem-wise, And but also I felt like I was serving the country, and, and it was a positive thing. Um, I was very fortunate to have a – most of the guys that were my leadership were Vietnam veterans, and they they basically took me under their wing and they they molded me into being a really good soldier mm. um and i and i interesting after three years and people that are listening that know about the military i left the service with four army achievement medals two army commendation medals a good a good uh conduct medal and a meritorious service medal after wow. three after three years of active duty and I was a fast tracker moving up the ladder, but I, I had done what I wanted to accomplish. That was, you know, my three-year enlistment, and my college money was waiting. Um, and so I got out. Did you see action? I did not see any action. What I, what I did do, within six months, I got a phone call from my first sergeant. And he says, I can't tell you exactly what's going on. But he gave me a, what we call a line and a paragraph number, which is a position in a unit. He said, I have a line and a paragraph number for you. We're painting these tracks in desert camo, and uh, we'd like to have you come back. Well, I was just basically looking at schools to go to for law, and I really wasn't doing very much. I was painting condos out on the beach here in Florida. and I went down to the recruiter, and they were saying, well, you know, it's interesting. There's no prior service. Even with my job specialty, which at that time was chemical, they called nuclear biological chemical specialists. We cleaned up battlefields in the event something like that takes place. But they said that no prior service was open unless you were special forces qualified. Well, I wasn't. So what I did was I re-enlisted and went back into the Army Reserve system and was a member of the 7th and the 9th Field Artillery of the 81st ARCOM here in Port Charlotte, Florida. And, uh, but what, what they were getting ready for was Desert Storm. So I didn't go, I, I was not activated with my unit. They went to Desert Storm, and I spent basically a year, maybe a little under a year and a half in the reserve system and got out and then decided not to go back to law school and started my business with my wife. Hmm. That's fascinating, man. And where did you guys, uh, you did tours, you said, right? Guided tours? It didn't start out like that. What we ended up doing was uh, I met my wife, and uh, we started a business here in Sarasota, Florida, uh, selling middle-of-the-road to high-end travel equipment, boots, tents, sleeping bags, clothing, uh, those kinds of things, sleeping bags, but really the good stuff. And so that business really went well. We were pretty much successful right off the bat, and maybe six or seven years into that, uh, I wanted to start selling climbing equipment. Somebody said, well, you can't sell climbing equipment to people wanting to climb unless you do it yourself. So uh, a couple of buddies of me went down to Mexico and did our first high-altitude climb 
uh, on a Pico de Orizaba in Veracruz, and I called my wife in Mexico City. I said, you know, it's tough. It's hard. I'm never going to do it again. And then 28 climbs later, she was like, yeah, right, buddy. So for 12 years, we led guided tours uh, all up and down the Andes in South America. And that was it was it was very challenging. We didn't take people on vacations. We took them on life altering trips. But it was as close as I could get to being in the military and being on a team anywhere out there. And and not everybody was doing it, which made it even more unique. Hmm, that's fascinating. That's a great story, man. Now, in 2012, you had a pivotal event in your life, right? Could well, you, well no? yes. Go ahead. Could it, you tell us about it? Yeah, I sure did. And, you know, even though all these sounds, you know, it all sounds fascinating, and it is, but there was still a dark side to me. There was still, uh, of course, if you're going through healing process, triggers. And, you know, triggers could be esteem issues or whatnot, but occasionally – Every time I would what we call act out overspending or do something stupid, it was always around alcohol. And, you know, I could go for a year or two without it, but then every now and then something would trigger me. And usually it was when things were going pretty good in my life and it was a way to sabotage myself. So mm. my, uh, my wife had just left town. My uh, compatriot at work, his wife had left town and he invited me out to shoot some pool. Of course, I really didn't want to go. It was raining that night. Uh, but in retrospect, I, you know, I did go. And I, I, I had uh, three glasses of wine. <laughs> and on the way home, I was involved in an accident. Basically passed out at the wheel, hit another car, and almost killed myself. Um, suffered a head injury. You know, I had a mild concussion, but resulted in traumatic brain injury. And uh, my life was altered from there on out and I knew something was wrong and I did nothing about it and the mood swing started and within a you know within a within a, a year and a half my wife you know basically we forced the sale of the company she really wanted nothing to do with me I was out of control I was mean I was angry I couldn't figure it out uh, and within a couple of years she had filed for divorce and then you know, the Almighty intervened again, and my mother-in-law at that time was 92 and had slipped and had fallen. And she had broke uh, her shoulder and her hip. My wife and I are embroiled in this divorce. She has to go take care of her mom, so it kind of puts a hold on things. And she went to Virginia. I was uh, in, a, in a crisis situation. That Christmas 2015, I drove to see her to surprise her, and she was like, you know, really? What are you doing here? You're starting to stalk me now. And it just devastated me. So I turned right back around. It was Christmas Day. It was the first day in uh, 27 years that I did not have my family with me during the holiday season. And uh, I was spending the night at the Holiday Inn. No offense to Holiday Inn. It was great. But it was just me there. Uh, the next morning after Christmas, it was me there again with just the people that worked in the restaurant. And something didn't feel right. And... uh so on the way home, you know, it's a long drive from Richmond, Virginia, all the way back to Sarasota. And I, I called, I reached out and called a crisis center and uh, they were in Gainesville. And I said, you know, I don't really know what's going on with me, but something is not right. And I need your help. And 
they kept me on the phone for like an hour, Lewis, and they asked me all kinds of questions. It stemmed all the way back from that childhood event, all the way through all the sabotaging moments of my life, and to include all the good times. And what they told me point blank was, you know, we can't promise that we can save your marriage, but we can save you. And uh, I, I can't describe it. It's almost like this weight was lifted off my shoulders and uh, 47 weeks later of cognitive behavioral therapy and six months of uh, hemp-based experimental drug treatment to heal the damaged parts of my head uh, got me back on track. A letter from my wife in November of 2016 uh, when she called off the divorce, said she had seen this amazing uh, change in me and, and wanted to spend the rest of her life with me. Um, you know, I, we saved the marriage. We're still working on it. And uh, and then th to be back involved in business again. So I basically uh, turned some things around. And I'm just very fortunate to have had the support group that I did. I can't say enough about cognitive behavioral therapy. I can't say enough about CBDs, you know, alternative uh, treatments for other than the classic pills, you know, for depression and insomnia, uh, those kinds of things for post-traumatic stress, which I probably had been suffering since 11 years old. And, you know, so I thank God for every day I have. And I thank the network of people that I'm, that I, that I'm around these days and just looking for, you know, healthier ways to live my life and those kinds of things. And, you know, I'm just <laughs> so very blessed to be here. So, yeah, that's a powerful story. And, you know, to your credit, you made the decision to make that phone call. No, I did. And I'm glad that I did. And, you know, I just want to let people know. And I know that there's a pe there's men and women, boys and girls out there in the same dark places. And, you know, you're not weak. Uh, in fact, you're actually very strong if you reach out and you say, hey, hey, I need help. Can you help me, please? And because when you get to that stage, now, you know what, Lewis? I don't know. I'm not sure if I was, uh, you know, the classic suicidal case, but I didn't feel right. And you know, everybody intuitively knows uh, when something's not right. And here I was, you know, at that time, you know, 57 years old. Uh, this is not the way I wanted my life to turn out. You know, we... we it just I'm glad I'm just glad that I reached out and, and no you're not weak if you reach out you're mm. just not no absolutely not um, I took several powerful personal development camps one was uh, enlightened warrior and one was enlightened wizard and I believe it was in the wizard camp that one of the declarations was that I help others I know I support others and allow others to support me. And that's a big one. Some people just too prideful to reach out. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and you know, I'm glad you pointed that out, Lewis, because you're right. It's not a weakness. It's a great, great strength to be able to rely on people or, you know, have that trust in people where you're open enough to, to say, hey, you know, help me. And and then and, and likewise, you know, I I'm really learning a lot um, in all of my life. All I've ever really wanted to do uh, is help people, and you know, I'm not really sure where that came from. I think my dad had a big impact on it, but 
I used to look at people's faces and I used to see, I used to watch people all the time. You know, we all like the people watch and not, not in a crazy way, but I used to see how people used to interact. And when somebody's mean to somebody, you can see pain in that, that other person's face. And, and somehow I identified with that pain at an early age. And, and I always just wanted to make people uh, feel better and empowered and, you know, I, I'm learning ways to to, ex- to execute that now, and that's kind of the mission that we're on now with the company, but also with the people that I'm around. Uh, you know, I'm I'm just I'm thinking a lot more healthy about myself these days, and I'm practicing. Uh, you know, uh, what do you call self care? And I don't know. I, I just I, I'm I'm in a good place right now. Beautiful, um, you sound it. I can hear hear it in your voice. The energy is wonderful. So. Why is spirituality important, and how would you define it? You know, and it's different for different people, but I – great question. Thank you for asking that. I, I, you know, I think that on any journey or in any journey, when it's as powerful as overcoming yourself, especially when you can't do it, you, you have to – you have to – there's a little bit of humility involved. And you can't look at the human race or look at this planet and think to yourself, there's got to be something bigger than just me. And we had talked about this earlier, and I remember my dad when I was, I don't know, 14 or 15, we were at the Battle Spotsylvania battle site, and he was explaining the war, the, the, the Civil War battle that took place there, and he's, he's talking about the North and the South. And I asked him, I said, Dad, you know, why would anybody from the same country – want to kill each other and he looked at me and gave me that classic army officer look he said son there's things bigger than you on this planet and one of them is america and i think when it comes to spirituality there's something bigger than than all of us here there, there there's some kind of cosmic force out there and I, and I i don't pass judgment on anybody you know i choose my path and i don't label or I don't pass judgment on the path that others choose but I think that that's that's a foundation for the the journey is that there's there's something bigger here than us and my you know I believe in God and whatever that means to you is what it means to you and I respect your decision but you you can't do this alone mm-hmm. I I don't think we can do it alone I think that it's it's we just can't do it alone that's a great answer, my friend. Thank you. What motivated you to begin Green Zone Hero? Well, <laughs> we had we had started a company called Green Zone Heroes about two and a half years ago. We were going to do a at that time, you know, these obstacle race course companies were taking the world by storm, and we wanted to do one, but we wanted to do it in a way that helped veterans. And I, unfortunately, at that time, I was in the middle of my psychosis or my my out of controlness and I picked a business partner who was not who I thought they were and basically the company fizzled out and a lot of money went missing but anyhow what we learned in that episode what we learned in that was that every company in America especially but now we're learning Australians Canadians and UK and our our partners there do it too every company or business in the world that I just mentioned most of them do something for veterans and we learned that when we tried to do the obstacle race course company but they don't tell anybody about it so we created this online community 
of companies that honor freedom, and they honor freedom because they appreciate veterans' active duty and their families. We created this medal system. By the way, we're a for-profit company, and we actually give these companies actual tools and strategies that, that, that work to improve their business. So our moniker is, you know, we honor freedom to improve business. A green zone is a safe place in a combat zone. A green zone hero is a company that appreciates freedom. And they, they exercise, uh, and we recognize them by being a member of our online community. And it's working. We've been in business uh, for 25 months. We now have, we're now in over 30 states. We have over 600 location members. Uh, Harley-Davidson, uh, Boar's Head Provisions. We're getting some really good corporate support at a higher level. Uh, and it continues to grow. We now have partners uh, in Canada, Australia, England, uh, and we continue to put new members in um, every day. Describe what you guys actually do, because I understand the concept of supporting veterans, but can you paint a picture? Let's say a company was attracted to those values. They came to you. So what would Describe the dynamic. What happens? Well, they would go. They would go to the website greenzonehero.com, and they would they would join. They would go ahead and enlist and join. And what would happen is they would get a listing page that's very interactive. So almost like a mini website inside of our portal, our website portal. They can put video on, images. They can pick out the medals for the five different things that they do for veterans. We have a patented cyber metal system. And then once they once they became a paid member in our organization, we would send to them a best practices guidebook, if you will. We have a manifesto. We have community outreach tools. We have digital tools uh, that they can, you know, interactive digital tools. We have case studies that we put together. So we, we, we don't tell these businesses how to run their business, but we give them the tools and strategies to differentiate themselves from their competition. So then they become a member of that. We spend a lot of money on the buzzword of today, which is search engine optimization, but we work with taglines and we work with keyword sets and we pay a lot of money for that company. They're based here in Sarasota, but they also have an office in Chicago. And then they work the search engine optimization to get you on the first, second, or third page of Google, which is what everybody promises. But we're actually working hard at doing that. So, you know, we're a great value. You know, I'm not here to do a sales, but, you know, it's $500 a year. And that's a great value for any company that's doing things for veterans and wants to tell the world about it. So to belong to your organization, it's five hundred bucks a year. Yes, sir. And we, then we, yes. And, and then you, they can do. And then they, they get can, all of that. They get all of that training. Yes, they can do that right online. As a matter of fact, we just created a client services department. We're putting it together as we speak. And the lady that runs that, her husband has been in the United States Marine Corps. I think he's at twenty years now, but she's a mother of five. Uh, she went to James Madison University, and Leslie is going to be running our client services. So now, as we move forward, we continue to improve the things that we're doing. Um, the coolest thing is like what you're doing here, Lewis, is the podcast. And, you know, your platform is phenomenal because you allow people like me to come on and tell the story, but your your passion, too, comes through 
uh, and that's what we're doing now with these podcasts. You've been at it a while. We just started four months ago, but we have Straight Out of Combat Radio, which is empowering our veterans to tell their stories, to let people know that they're not that they're not broken, that they have a lot of skill sets. And then we just started Angel Brigade Radio, which tells the story of our Gold Star families who have lost loved ones in combat. Hmm. So a person pays 500 a year, they get access to this training, which helps them build their business. And the veterans are benefited how exactly? Well, let's just say you're, you and I fly to Tacoma. And we want to plug in. We want to go get a hamburger, but we want to go to a to a business that's friendly to veterans. So we, we plug in veteran friendly, or if we have, we're working on a Green Zone Hero app. We find a restaurant, and oh wow, here's Green Zone Hero. By the way, we can go get a sub right here in downtown Tacoma. That's how it really works. And so what we do, veterans will have access. You know, there's two sides of it. So there's the vet- veterans. We develop that base going to visit it to find out who in their area actually cares about them. And then there's the businesses that can actually uh, be recognized for what they do. So it's really all about commerce and honoring freedom and um, that type of scenario. You know, it, it, it's, it's a – hear the dog barking. There's a dog next door barking. It's, it's – um, yeah, it, it's an online community, and veterans can visit there. We continue to – I think we've got – well, in southwest Florida – there's half a million veterans in Southwest Florida. Florida is the third largest state for, for veterans. But California and Texas, New York, uh, and, and there's veterans everywhere. Uh, there's 23 million veterans in the U.S. alone. Canada's covered with veterans. I was just in Saskatchewan uh, last October in an event up there for veterans, and I was amazed at the outpouring of support from the Canadian citizens. And, you know, if you're doing something for veterans and you own a business or a company, join our network now because it's growing and you want to be on our team. One thing that's interesting too, and I'll point this out, if you own a company and you've lost a loved one in combat, our company wants to give you a listing in our community forever for no no charge. Uh, that's the least we can do as, as American business people uh, and for your great loss. Um, we're, 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 and we're doing a lot of things with the podcast series, too. We're working with Harley Davidson on uh, interviewing combat veterans who work for their company. And we're, we're just doing some really interesting things. And um, I'm just trying to take it one day at a time and pinch myself to, to see if it's really real and happening. It, you know, I love what I'm hearing. I, I don't, maybe I'm a little slow. I'm still trying to understand. Okay, let's say I have. I'm an entrepreneur with a business, and I say, wow, I can get great help here to advance my business, to get myself onto Google's uh, first page, etc. So I join, and I give $500. Now, what else do I do to act actively support veterans? Well, you'll, there's five. It's a good question. There's five different medals that we award, and this is what the companies. They do one of these five things. Every company in America does. They they have maybe special pricing for veterans and military. Maybe they're veteran-owned or they're managed by a veteran. Uh, they hire veterans. The one we like, they hire disabled veterans. And then let's just say your business gives to the Wounded Warrior Foundation. We give a medal for that. So you have the opportunity to have five medals. 
most companies are doing one or sometimes all five of these things already, but there's really no way for people to find out about that. They either have to let their customer base know through word of mouth or somewhere embedded on a website. Well, imagine I give you I give you imagine being part of a of a of a network of like-minded business people that 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 do one of those five things for veterans and you get tools to actually make it happen. Now I'll give you a real quick uh, story here. It's a true story. I was in Virginia uh, last summer and I got a call from a young lady in Austin, Texas. And she said she had been working out in a gym. She was a massage therapist and she had heard two veterans talking about Green Zone Hero. Now I was had just been at a, at a workshop out there. So some people found out about what we were doing. And she says, you know, I give 10% discount to active duty military veterans, first responders, and law enforcement. She says, and I just want to help build my business. Well, when she heard what we were doing, she says, okay, I need to join. She joins. We send her the tools. About 60 days later, maybe a little longer, she calls me up. And she tells me, John, I got to, first of all, thank you for doing what you're doing. But I got to tell you, I did the things that you said to do. And my business has grown 200% it doubled or something. And, and I was like, holy cow, here's a young lady, young entrepreneur. She's from Southern California, living in Texas now, who did what we told her to do. She joined the network, and now her business has done well. And, and we're hearing more and more stories like that. It's one thing. Let's say, Louis, you and I own a restaurant. And we say, okay, come in, come in with your uniform on. We'll give you half off. That's great. That is phenomenal for the veteran. It's for, good for us. We get business. But we've heard time and time again that it's kind of self-serving when we're doing it on our own. This lady said that when she finally put our sticker on her website, it gave her almost instant credibility. So we joined Green Zone Hero, you and me, Lewis and John. Our restaurant joins this network. It's an entirely different thing when you're a member of, of a network than when you're just saying it yourself. And, and what we're starting to see is that people understand that. We've got mom and pop shops. We've got larger companies coming on board that see the value. I can't, I'm not at liberty to talk about the companies we're talking to now, but there are some high powered large corporations that we're in talks with about how we move forward and, and create these partnerships. Um, the, the, yeah, it, it's it, it's a, it's a, to put it in, a, in a nuts and bolts. It's an online directory of companies and individuals who appreciate and honor freedom. That's what it is, and that can be so many different things to so many different people. You know, of course, we're trying to stay apolitical. You know, it can be a hotbed. We're just about business, and we're about driving commerce to companies that care about freedom. I love it. It's really, I mean, now that you paint the picture, um, it really pops out and it makes sense. And um, it's definitely something that will grow and should grow. And uh, kudos to you for creating it, my friend. Well, I thank you very much, Lewis. And I, you know, I had a lot of help and I got great people on our team. And um, I just... Uh, like I said, I can't say enough. You know, we read this so many times. You know, we do to be grateful. Um, the biggest thing that I have always, because when I was coming along, if I ever made a mistake, I, I, I learned always the hard way. 
And what I've learned out this late stage of my life is that maybe it's the beginning of my life. Who knows? But what I've learned is it's okay to make mistakes. So anybody listening out there, you're going to make mistakes. Don't beat yourself up for it. Um, we do them all the time. And that's probably one of those, one of the largest hurdles that I had to overcome in this whole process is to realize that it's okay to, to make a mistake. You know, I want to take it a step further. What we're learning more and more is that it's not just okay. It's necessary. And, uh, I believe it's, I forgot the man's name who's one of the, the head honchos at Google, but he won't hire somebody unless they demonstrate a willingness to fall on their face and make fools of themselves and make mistakes. What they found is the children don't have that crazy judgment in their heads. So if they are doing something and it doesn't work, they just plow ahead. They do some and they take another approach and they keep doing that. And unfortunately, we develop ego and judgment and we want to be liked. And that's when we start to feel, uh oh, I made a mistake. I look bad. And that is what holds us back. So very, very true. And uh, and you're right. We're starting to learn so much about the human mind and human interaction and, you know, all of these things. You know, I always this is I was in a sweat lodge once with a Lakota Sioux uh, Native American Indian once. And, you know, talk about a humbling experience that was. But what he taught me was so what I learned in that experience was we're all in this boat together. You know, whether we believe it or not, there's only one planet, and we better darn well appreciate each other. And that's kind of, you talk about ego, but there's these practices that have been around 7,000 years or longer that take you out of the ego. And, I'm, you know, we could, the ego is a whole other episode, but it's so true. You know, you make mistakes, and you learn from them, you dust yourself off, and you just move on, and... And that's a great thing that that Google guy is doing because I'm sure his team is, is there, you know, seasoned with salt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree with you about, by the way, if people doubt this, if it sounds airy-fairy, if it sounds woo-woo, uh, check this out. Physics, what, what quantum physics is teaching us is precisely this, that we are all one, that it's all energy. It's all connected. And um, that was one of the things that we learned in wizard camp. I am connected to everything and everything is connected to me. And it's it's so, so true. Fascinating stuff, man. Fascinating stuff. So you speak about a paradigm shift that's needed in business today. What is it and why? Well, I great. I, I the paradigm shift is we we have to go back to our roots. I, I think that somewhere along the way, we've maybe this has always been this way, but I think it's gotten maybe worse. You know, why why are we in business? Are we just there to make a buck and to use and abuse each other? Why are we really in business? And I think that there's, I think you know, boots on the ground experience. What I, talking to business owners, men and women thousands of companies over the last two and a half years, I get a sense that people want to believe in something again. And 
I think it gets back to something that I know is near and dear to your heart and should be to everybody's heart is trust. Somewhere along the way in business, the key concept of trust has been lost. And I, but, I, but I honestly believe people want it again. They want to believe in something again. And so with Green Zone Hero, we want to be that company that business owners and entrepreneurs can believe in. We want to perform and do what we say we're going to do. Are we going to make mistakes? You're darn right we're going to make mistakes. But guess what? We're going to do it together. We want to build this global network of business owners that want to find that something again. And there's nothing wrong with with saying that and, and being being you know everybody always thinks you're out to just do something there's so much skepticism and mistrust and distrust and you know sign this non-disclosure and you know imagine a, a business world and you got to be smart i'm not saying you have to be naive but yeah but but still i think people want something and i think that the world and is ripe for that i think that we want to believe in something again and, and we're hoping that we can be part of the solution um, the Task Force Zen Project is a is an opportunity for us, and also, you know, Lewis, I definitely need to have you on the front lines. But it's an opportunity for us to create a global network of what we're calling trauma healers that utilize different modalities from acupuncture to yoga that will that are willing to sign the agreement, the Task Force Zen operandi, if you will to help heal people without labeling them. And what we have found, the stigma with labeling, is what keeps people inside. And we hope to build a global platform that truly transforms, uh, shifts the paradigm, if you will, for healing and commerce, and do it in a way that that shifts the human condition. We believe that it's possible. We believe that people want it. And we believe we're going to get it done. And again, that's that's the vision. You know, it's a couple of years that who knows? It might be your next year. But that's what we want to do is we want to create this global network. And there is a paradigm shift coming in business. People are tired of the way it's being being done. They're tired of not being able to trust their brothers and sisters. And we want to uh, be part of that solution. I've got a couple of resources that I want you to explore. Um, I think they're going to be hugely helpful to you. One, are you familiar with the name Joe Polish? I am not. Okay. I'm, is he is he Canadian, American? Or is... He is very American, my friend. He has what's called the Genius Network. And you want to start listening to the Genius Network podcast yesterday. You also want to connect with them because, well, one of the things... He was also the victim of abuse as a young boy. And he was a deadbeat carpet cleaner. Not deadbeat, but he was dead broke carpet cleaner. And he was also at that time addicted to crack cocaine and was destroying his life. Today, he's Richard Branson's number one fundraiser. And that's the circle he moves in. And the Genius Network brings people like that together. Also, um, he has an initiative called, um, well, he's, he's aligned himself with Artists for Addicts, 
and their initiative and goal is to raise the consciousness and change the whole global conversation around addiction so that addicts are not viewed with a stigma like what you were just talking about so there right away you're you know you're in the same ballpark uh one of his uh circle is peter diamandis and he has abundance 360 i'm a member of the abundance 360 digital community you want to look into that because they have the ability to fast track your progress do you hear my cat she's uh, i love cats but what's yeah. your cat's name uh, her name is Pushkin, and she's so excited by this concept of freedom that she's having to chime in <laughs> right now. Yeah. Oh, man, I love that. Yeah, that's great. So uh, I will definitely send you some of this stuff, but oh, my God, she's coming close. And What, what color is she? Uh, what color? What, she, she's a, 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 one of those um, tortoise shell. Oh no! Nice. She's hungry, Lewis. She's no. It's I not. Think... No, it's not hunger for food. Believe me, it's. It's. She is a very vocal cat. Yeah. Okay. We're on a podcast now. Okay. I guess you're gonna, she's going. She's going to be part of it. So the other thing is a book you may know or may not. It's called Sacred Commerce. Nice. I don't know that book, but I, it's, I'm a reader, man. I'll, I'll definitely get it. Sacred Commerce. Yeah, definitely, definitely something you're going to love. Um, so, have you read that book? You read the book Sense Making? No, I'm going to write that one down. Sense Making. Sense Making. It's about integrating the technologies of today with the human with humanity, and it's kind of crazy, Lewis. But it's real. It's what we're talking about. Oh my he God! Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, no, but he believes that the, the the people that can take these tools like podcasts and create the human connection with them are going to be the the future movers and shakers of the, of the next global shift. That's what did. That's what Abundance three hundred and sixty is all about, my friend. Bold, how to create, how to go big, create wealth, and impact the world is Peter Diamandis's book about this. You've got to really. Find out sacred, about this. Sacred, sacred, sacred commerce is one, but the other one that's related directly to um, Abundance 360 is bold. How to go big, create wealth, and impact the world. Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kettler, it will blow your mind. I would get it on audio because the audio version, it's like uh, being in a movie. It's that dramatic. It's so powerful. I'm gonna. I might head down to to the uh, bookstore today and pick those up. You can head down to the bookstore. You got to do it online, my friend. If you're part of the 21st century, <laughs> <laughs> well, some, things, some things are still old school. But uh, no, I, about, I like to get them on CD. You know what I mean? So I have them. I can share them with friends. Well, the uh, bold you can get. That's what I did. I got bold as a CD program. And um, then I just put it into my computer and can listen to it's it's just amazing. Um, Thank you. Yeah, you will love you will love Diamandis. I mean, he's he's a he's a he's part of SpaceX. SpaceX is uh, one of his projects. You know, they're they're going to Mars. Him and Elon Musk. That's awesome. Yeah, That's man. Awesome. Yeah, this is just fabulous stuff. Hey, don't you feel like you're ten years old right now? 
Oh my gosh! You know, yeah, I do. You know, it's it's it's. You know, I find it's kind of strange, Lewis. But maybe it's again, it's you know, at fifty nine years old, I'm starting to. I feel like I'm actually discovering who I really am. Well, one of the things that you're going to learn about when you hook up with the abundance community is that um, they're working on making death just another technical problem, and which we will overcome. And at that point, it's a whole new world, my friend. Oh, my uh, gosh. No, no, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I believe it. I believe, it can, you know, a guy can be walking around at one point and uh, you run into this very attractive person, you know, and uh, you're in a conversation. And how old are you? Well, I'm, I was 162 yesterday. And what? You look like you're 30. Yeah, I know. Anyway, that's a whole other story. <laughs> no, man. I, you know, I'm definitely going to – now i got to go down and get those things. But I, I – yeah, I believe that. I've I've always been a big thinker, and along with those other folks, I mean, I feel very humbled to. There's, you know what? And, and again, I know you've heard this. There, there, there truly is a reason for everything. Yeah, I know. There's no accident. No, there's no, there's no accident. No, you and I were meant to connect today. That's Absolutely. For sure. That's, That's for and, sure. And this is and this is just the beginning. We're going to be lifelong friends. So. It's all good. This is really cool stuff. Man. Yeah, I got that feeling too. This so, is really good stuff. So, John, if you could wave a magic wand right now and change only one thing in the world, what would it be? <sighs> More love. Mm. More love. Just yep. uh, you know, you know, and just more love. If I could just place more love on this planet, I think that we'd be in a in a wonderful spot. We're in a wonderful spot now. We just need more love. I agree. Beautiful. Do you have a do you have a favorite book? You know, I got so many of them. I, you know, I, I tell you, everybody's read the Code of the Extraordinary Mind. Maybe they haven't, but I, I just finished a book called The Sympathizer. Now it's a novel about Vietnam, and I'm not giving it away, but it's worth the read. Uh, uh, won a Pulitzer Prize uh, for it. The writer he he teaches out in California. He's a uh, Vietnamese guy that came here after Vietnam, but it's a fascinating book, uh, and I and I like the classics too. You know, there's r nothing wrong with you know Dracula or the you know All Quiet on the Western Front. I think that there's some really cool reads there, and I think people have gotten away from the classics, but they're definitely worth reading. Uh, but I, I also like General McChrystal's books. You know, One Mission. You know, Team of Teams. I like The Code of Trust. Uh, Robin Dreek's book, but uh, there's a long, there's a roundabout answer. But I'd say right now my favorite book is the one I just finished called The Sympathizer, and then I and I just bought one yesterday called The Sun Does Shine, and it's about a guy who was on death row for 30 years before they finally before they finally determined he was not guilty, and I that's the next one I'm going to read. So The Sun Does Shine. Fantastic. And I believe Code of the Extraordinary Mind, which I do have, is uh, is that Vision Like a Honey? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, as a result of that, I ended up joining Mind Valley because he's quite brilliant, too. And by the way, where did I find out about him? On the Genius Network. He was being interviewed by Joe Polish. Uh, if you want to see Joe Polish, like as soon as you get off the um, this interview, you go on to... Uh, to YouTube and just put in is 
Selling Evil. And he has a three-minute video, and you'll... It's Joe Polish. It's brilliant. He's I selling, definitely... is Selling Evil. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite quote? <sighs> Polarization only works in sunglasses. <laughs> not, not, not in sustainable communities. Where are you? Who said that? I did. I love it. Only works in sunglasses. Not in sustainable communities. Beautiful. And where do you see yourself in five years, John? <sighs> in the same frame of mind, just uh, in, a, in a bigger network of people that, that want to shape shift the world. Mm. You know, want to be part of that. And, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's about... Uh, you know, there's so many. It's really about being part of something bigger than ourselves, and I, I just want to be. I want to leave the world a better place. Well, I think you're already doing that. That's fantastic. And how can people contact you? They can go to you know greenzonehero.com. There's a phone number on there. You can also email me, John at greenzonehero.com. J O H N. Uh, you know, Facebook, I'm not sure what we're going to do with Facebook. They're having so many issues right now. But, you know, if you can Facebook me. I've, you know, I'm pretty accessible and I'm very good at getting back. And uh, I'm out there. Just email me if you're somewhere you don't want to be and you need to talk to somebody. Just let me know. Uh, if you're a company that wants to join our growing network, uh, feel free to do so. We'd love to have you being part of this this uh, global movement that we're that we've started and and I, all I can say is I'm very grateful to be on your show Lewis and uh, you know I'll be seeing and talking to more of you down the road for sure and uh, and I applaud you for what you're doing as well thank you so much any final thoughts for our storytellers uh, I'll tell you what a good buddy of mine said when I was in one of those dark places he said I know who you are keep going Mm. And so whoever you are out there, I might not know you. Someday I might, but you know who you are and you have a network of friends. Reach out to them and just keep going. You know, friend, friends are very important. And uh, I was able to reconnect with some as part of my own healing process. But, you know, keep going. You know, I love it because when you say to someone you haven't met, you can say to someone you haven't met, I know who you are. And if they're hurting, they'll probably go, no, you don't. You don't have a clue who I am. My answer to that would be, you're right. I don't know the specifics about your life, but I know that you're human and I know that I'm human and that we share common dreams. We share fears. We share anxieties. We share the same sense of hope or despair. And in that sense, I know who you are, and I encourage you to keep going. Awesome. <laughs> you just gave me goosebumps, man. But thank you for that, Lewis. And uh, thanks, thanks for all the good info. And I know we'll be in touch soon. Uh, I got uh, my homework cut out for me, but thank you for that. Well, you're quite welcome. And thank you. You've really enriched my audience today. You've enriched me. And before I let you go, there are a couple of things that came up that I wanted to share with you, but uh, they're valuable for the audience as well. You were talking about presidents, 
and the, you mentioned the Roosevelt's. And um, I don't know if you're aware of it, but on Netflix right now, uh, Ken Burns has a documentary called The Roosevelt's. Yeah, he's pretty incredible, isn't he? Uh, you yeah. Know, what, Ken, Ken's, what Ken Burns does. You know, one of the books, I can't remember the name of it now, but it was about when Teddy Roosevelt went down to the to South America and the Amazon and what they went through. Just a phenomenal story. Uh, but that was pretty cool. Yeah, it's on Netflix right now. You can you can uh, enjoy that. Also on Netflix, Al Pacino in a brand new. No, I'm sorry, it's not on Netflix. It's HBO. It's called Paterno, about Joe Paterno from Pennsylvania State, who was a revered coach, and the latter part of his life, you know, they discovered that he was aware of a coach above him who was sexually abusing the young boys at Pennsylvania State. Powerful, powerful story. True story. And in terms of business, you were talking before, another book called The Road to Serfdom. It will give you a whole new excitement about America and capitalism. Okay, I got that one down too. Like I said, you're giving me a lot of homework here, Lewis, but I'm, <laughs> but, but I'm up for it, so it's good. Once again, thank you very, very much, my friend. You're welcome, and uh, God bless, and uh, keep going, and I hope to talk to you soon, Lewis. Thank you very much. Absolutely. And thank you once again, storytellers, for spending time today with me and John Crotech. Wow. I had a ball. John had a ball. I'm going to assume that you had a ball, too. I love the way things just kind of happen in the middle of a podcast. There are certain questions I know I'm going to ask, and then... The chemistry between me and the guest creates a whole other avenue to explore. Pay this forward. Let people know that they can enjoy this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, and at the website changeyourstorypodcast.com. Always remember that you have a gift waiting for you at that website, a downloadable free ebook that I created called Storytelling Secrets for a Rich Life and Business. You know, today, we didn't just talk about one or two books. We basically talked about a whole library of life-changing, exciting books. Please take advantage of the offer from our sponsor, Audible. They're giving you, as listeners to this show, a downloadable audiobook of your choice, absolutely free. And they'll also give you a whole month free trial of all of Audible's service. Go to www.audibletrial.com forward slash story power. Another note about paying this forward. If you enjoy this show, please go on to iTunes, leave a short review of the reasons why you think the show has got value, and 
give it a rating. Sure, the best rating you can give it is a five-star rating. Will I be happy with that? I'll be thrilled. Give it the rating you feel it deserves. John left us with a lot of rich things to think about and implement in our own lives. And one of the key themes that jumps out at me, especially when you consider the company that he created and that he's passionate about, is this whole idea of contribution, not only as a way of enriching others, but as a way of enriching ourselves. So during the next week, look at what you do, how you show up in the world, how you make money, and ask yourself this, what can I do, what can I add to what I do that will definitely enrich me, but at the same time, enrich other people as well? As a trigger, as an impetus to create that inner dialogue for yourself, begin with the question, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.